Christ. And so we're excited about that as well. Here's our theme for the year. Uh, Y'all say it with me tonight as we haven't been said, we haven't said it in a while, but let's say it together. Through thee in 2023, Psalm 44, 5. Through thee will we push down our enemies. Through thy name will we tread them under that rise up against us. That's our theme. We will win. Amen. And on the Lord's side, we have victory in Christ Jesus tonight. And so we're excited about that here tonight as well. Well, I'm glad you're here. I appreciate you being here tonight. We have some visitors with us and will not in no way uh, embarrass them, but you know who they are and you see them because we're such a small church, right? But we're glad you're here. Thank you for being here tonight. May the Lord bless you. And uh, we pray that you will find what you come looking for in the Word of God. All right. So if you have your Bibles tonight, turn to Ruth. Good to see Brother Robert with us again tonight. It's always good to have him in our service. But here in Ruth, uh, as we started last Sunday night on Ruth, we talked about uh, there when the judges ruled. And here tonight, we're going to go a little further to verse 3. So if you don't mind tonight, in, honors of God, in honor of God's word, would you stand with me to read it? And we'll read down to verse 3 here tonight. Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. And certain man of Bethlehem, Judea, went to sojourn in the city of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. The name of the man was Imelech. The name of his wife was Naomi. And the name of his two sons is Maon and Chelon, Euphrates of Bethlehem, Judea. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Imelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. We are so grateful tonight, Lord, to be saved, washed in the blood of the Lamb. God, we're praying now tonight, Father, that you'd work within the hearts of your people. Lord, we don't know all tonight, dear God, who's saved and who's not saved. And Lord, we don't know tonight what's going on in the heart of the homes of anybody. But you do. Lord, you are all-knowing God, all-powerful God. And God, tonight we pray, Lord, that you'd reach down in every one of us and you'd do a work, God, that would reach for eternity. And I pray, Lord, that you'd speak to our souls and, God, that our minds and hearts, dear God, would respond and decide and choose and the favor would be toward God. We're praying now, Lord, that you'd lead and guide the service, that you'd be with the preaching. God, you'd anoint it with the Holy Ghost of God. God, that the hearer tonight will be anointed as well. And so, God, as we preach tonight and as we learn of the Word of God, that we might practice it. We may be hearers of the Word, but doers, dear God, of it as well. Thank you again for all that you've given us. Thank you for our visitors tonight. Thank you, Lord, for the good uh, crowd we had this morning and the message that you laid upon our hearts. We're praying tonight, dear God, that you'll do the same in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. You may be seated. We find tonight in every place that we are in our Christian life, and tonight we'll be preaching to Christians, uh, we find that we're in circumstances. Everybody tonight would be in a circumstance. Uh, tomorrow, if you're not tonight, you probably be will tomorrow. And then the next day and the following day, circumstances. Circumstances always seem to be part of who we are and what we are. Now, in circumstances tonight, we find choices. 
In every circumstance, there's a choice that will be made. And the choices tonight uh, will be a choice that you make, a choice that you will do or you might say or uh, that you might uh, uh, make a decision on, and it's you. It's nobody else who made that for you. Nobody's responsible for that. Nobody is to blame for that. You make your choices in the circumstances in which you're in. And once you make a choice, then there is conduct. So circumstances brings choices. Choices brings conduct, action. Every choice you make in a circumstance, there will be an action. There will be a moving. There will be a forwardness. Uh, there will be a conduct, a behavior in every choice you make. And then after the conduct, you'll find tonight consequences. So we find ourselves in circumstances. We make choices. We see that we're in the conduct because of our choices. And then we have consequences of that. That's everybody. Nobody is excluded from that equation. And then lastly, we find change. Because when you're in a circumstance and you make a choice and then you begin to act or have conduct, you'll find the consequences of those choices has now changed everything. And that is a formula that comes about to every single one of us tonight. And no matter where you are, what you're doing, where you're living, how old you are, or whatever it is tonight in which you find yourself in tonight, that formula will always come true. Tonight we find a man here in the book of Ruth named Imelech. He's going to be our main one whom we look at tonight. But before we get to Imelech, I want to kind of say to you, number one tonight, I want you to notice in the life of Imelech, in the life of where he's at of his day, and I pray tonight that God would give us the privilege and the honor tonight to kind of feel, uh, kind of know, to be where Imelech's at. Where is Imelech? What is he feeling? What is he facing? What is it tonight that Imelech and the circumstances he finds himself in tonight, what would you do? How would you do what he was faced with tonight? May God place us there tonight so that we would know what to do in the circumstances that we find ourselves in tonight. And we find that he was in a place uh, that it was a, con a, a contamination of the God's people. They were contaminated. The contamination of God's people tonight. Uh, we can go all the way back in the Judges, and it says in verse 1, And it came to pass the days when the Judges ruled. Now, when you go back to Judges chapter 1 all the way down to chapter 21, you'll find this is the days of Ruth. You'll find that the contamination of God's people was all through of Israel. We find within that, we find assassinations. We find rape. We find cruelty. We find kidnapping. We find murder. We find uh, homosexuality. We find adultery. We find fornication. We find bribery. We find stealing. And we find delusions. And we find the whole country is against itself. We find that the 12 tribes of Israel are not in harmony. They're not in unity. They're fighting one another and all the Gentile nations in that. And we find a great 
problem, and it looked like just like America like we preached last Sunday night. America is seen and told just what I said to you tonight is exactly what's going on in Israel in that day, in that time when Amalek was there in a circumstance. So we find the condemnation of the God's people, but we also know that in Judges chapter 21, verse 25, we see that in those days there was no king in Israel, and every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And that was the standard for the day. We see number two. Not only was the contamination of God's people, but I noticed the correction of God's people. The Bible says in verse 1 that there was a famine in the land. There was no famine in the land for an accident. It was a correction. It was a discipline. It was a chastening of the Lord. The Lord had brought forth this famine in Israel. We find in the scripture tonight what would bring forth a famine, especially in Israel. Why would there be a famine in such a time as this, uh, giving us what we know about judges in the days of judges in which we find our Imelech at tonight? Well, if you go back with me just a moment to Leviticus chapter 26, turn there with me, and let's just look what God has said concerning about what he would do if they would do. And we find it's conditional tonight with God, uh, not salvation, uh, but to live for God tonight is conditional. Chapter 26 and verse 18, the Bible says, And if you will, if you will not, for yet for all this hearken unto me, then I will punish you seven times more for your sins. I will break the pride of your power. I will make your heaven as iron and your earth as brass. That's talking about famine. Amen. And so God is saying to them, uh, if you don't hearken unto me, uh, if you don't obey me, uh, you'll find yourself in a place where heaven is iron. Water don't get through iron tonight. Uh, you'll find that your earth is brass. I mean, absolutely, there's nobody who can say there's any benefit of brass. And we find tonight, if you don't do what I ask you to do, you don't hearken unto me, you don't obey me, you don't live according to my commandments, you don't live according to my rule, you don't live according to my heart, uh, then we'll find a famine upon your land. We see that happening in Israel. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 28. We always like to give you more than just one tonight. We know that two or three establishes a matter. And so we find in chapter 28, look in verse 15 with me tonight. The Bible says, But it shall come to pass, if thou wilt not hearken unto the voice of the Lord thy God, to observe to do all his commandments, his statutes, which I, which I command thee this day, that all these curses shall come upon thee and overtake thee. Uh, cursed shalt be thou in the city, cursed shalt thou be in the field. Cursed shall thou be in the basket in the, in the, of, the, uh, of the store. Now let's look at verse 23 as it goes on about these things that he'll do. And so he says, And thy heaven that is over thy head shall be as brass, and the earth that is under thee shall be iron. The Lord shall make the rain of the land powder and dust. From heaven shall it come down upon thee till thou be destroyed. And so we find tonight very clearly, very plainly, about if you do in the way of sin and iniquity and transgression that God said if you go against me, if you don't obey me, you'll find a famine in your land. And sure enough, God is always right. And we see the children of Israel 
living in such a way. And now God has brought a famine. Did he bring a famine in all the world? No. He brought a famine in Israel. And we find that this famine was due to their sin. Now turn to 2 Chronicles with me, chapter 6. 2 Chronicles chapter 6. We'll get right back to Ruth here in just a moment. But we're trying to lay down a foundation here concerning why was he in a famine. Chapter 6, look in verse 26 through 27. I want you to notice tonight in the midst of this correction that God's trying to make in Israel, I want you to see to find God's mercy in famine. So if we know that it's a famine because God has sent the famine because of the sin of the people tonight, then how can we find God's mercy in that famine? What well, tells us that in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 26. When the heaven is shut up and there is no rain. You, consider, you would say with me tonight, that's a famine. It goes on to say, because they have sinned against thee, yet if they pray towards this place, confess thy name, turn from their sin, when thou dost afflict them. Then hear thou from heaven and forgive their sin for thy servants and for thy people Israel when thou hast taught them the good way wherein thou should walk and send rain upon thy land which thou hast given unto the people for an inheritance. We find as Solomon is praying, he's praying to God, God, what is the mercy when we find famine in our land? How can we get rain? How can we find that you'll show mercy? And Solomon said, if our people pray, amen, and so here we find in Ruth chapter 1, if God's people would pray, maybe the famine would go and we would find rain. Number two, if not God's people would pray, but God's people would confess thy name. People would have faith in God that have faith in the Lord. Lord, I know that we sinned against thee. I know that we've done wrong. I know that we failed you in so many ways. Uh, we have lived ugly. We have lived sinful. But God, please, we confess thy name. We got faith in you, Lord. Solomon said, Lord, would you bring rain if they would do that? And the thirdly, repentance tonight. He said, turn from their evil sin. Up there in verse 26, turn from their evil sin. And that's how we find that God would have mercy upon us in the way of our sinfulness. If a famine comes upon the land, that we would repent. Repent tonight. Turn from the sin. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from the direction you're going. Turn from your fornication, idolatry. Turn from the wickedness of your heart. Turn. Solomon's praying unto God, God, when a famine comes, how can we find mercy in your family? He said, pray. Pray, confess the Father, confess God, and turn from your sin, he said. And then he said in verse 27, walk in the good way. Oh, Freitas, you and I would begin to pray unto God. You and I begin to confess his name. You and I begin to turn from our sin and then begin to live a different life. You see, that's what's all about tonight, to find mercy in famine. Number two, I want you to know tonight to find mercy in famine, but I want to know tonight in the way of this correction that God's bringing upon Israel to fear God in famine. Look at Psalms chapter 33. Psalms 33 and verse 18. I'm talking about how are we going to handle this famine 
Well, number one, we're going to find mercy if we do what Second Chronicles said. But then to fear God in famine. That's what we are to do. In the circumstance and the consequences you find yourself in tonight, to fear. To fear God in Psalms 33. Look there in verse uh, 18 with me tonight. Psalms 33, verse 18. What are we going to do with famine? Well, he tells us clearly what to do. He says, Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in what? In famine. So how are we going to tonight if we find ourselves in the famine because of the judgment of God? And what are we going to do? Well, he said to fear. Fear God. Hope in his mercy tonight. Be delivered from the death of the famine. To be kept alive in the famine. Uh, to get help as our shield uh, tonight as you go down to verse 20. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield tonight. We find in verse 21, For our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. And so we're going to look to God as our hope and our shield. We're going to look to God as the one we can trust in his holy name. We're going to hope in him. He's going to keep us alive. We're going to find that we delivered from death. We're going to hope in his mercy in the midst of famine. Right? So when the famine comes, what should we do? Well, we should, number one, Find God's mercy in it, pray, have faith, confess his name, repent, and walk in a good way. We are to fear God in the midst of this famine. Now I want you to look at Psalms 37 with me tonight. It says also in the midst of the famine to be faithful, to be faithful in the famine. He says in chapter 37 and verse 18 and 19, he says, The Lord knoweth the days of the upright, and their inheritance shall be forever. They shall not be ashamed in the evil time in the days of what? Famine. They shall be satisfied. God said he knows your days. He knows that he's promised deliverance for you. And they shall be satisfied. He said what I would say to you, be faithful in the famine. Fear God in the famine. Find the mercy in the famine. And we sign fourthly tonight. To have a foundation in the famine. Look at, look at Romans chapter 8 with me tonight. In the New Testament. Look in verse 35. Verse 35. We're talking about tonight when God's bringing correction. And he's using a famine tonight. What do you do? How do you find that mercy? How do you handle that famine? You fear God. You be faithful. And then you have a foundation. Chapter 8 and verse 35. The Bible says, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I am persuaded uh, that, uh, I'm sorry, look at verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine? A foundation. A foundation. Or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep in the slaughter. Nay, all these things were, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor power, nor things present, nor things to come, neither height, nor depth, nor any creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, a foundation. So, 
tonight when a famine will come upon our land, when we find ourselves in a circumstance and we make a choice, follows with a conduct, and after the conduct we find a consequence, and we find in the consequences, what do we do? Well, he tells us how to find mercy, pray, confess his name, repent, and walk in the good way. He says to fear God in the famine, in the circumstances, and the consequences, to be faithful in that famine, and then to have a foundation within that famine. We're told that in the Word of God tonight. Imelech tonight, and back to, back to our Ruth chapter 1, Imelech tonight was faced with a famine. We see in verse 1 tonight, and there and a certain man of Bethlehem, Judea, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. We find number three tonight, not only uh, do we find tonight in the way of, of uh, the correction of God's people, the contamination of God's people, but I notice the confusion of God's people. Now you say, why do you use the word confusion? Because Imelech is of God's people. And tonight we read in the word of God what you do in a famine. You find God's mercy. You're faithful. You fear God. And you have a foundation. That's what you do. What did Imelech do? Confusion. Number one, the first thing he did, I noticed, is he sojourned in the country of Moab. The move to an evil city. That's what he did. He made a choice. He made a decision. He's under the circumstance. Remember the formula? Circumstance. We find, and then a choice that is made. He's in a circumstance, in a famine. God's already told him what to do, and he, now he's brought confusion. He's decided to go to an evil city. Now turn your Bibles tonight to Genesis chapter 19. Let's find out where Moab came from. You say, why is Moab an evil city? Well, Genesis will tell us tonight how it began and how did Moab get here and who is Moab and, and what is Moab all about. We find in chapter 19 and, and there in that verse 30, it says, And Lot went out of, out of Zor and dwelt in the mountain, his two daughters with him. So he feared to dwell in Zor. He went into a cave, he and his two daughters. And then we find in verse 33, and they made their father drink wine that night. And the firstborn went in and lay with her father. And he perceived not when she lay down and when she rose. And it came to pass on the morrow that the firstborn said unto the younger, Behold, I lay yesternight with my father. Let us make him drink wine this night also to go in and to lie with him that we may preserve the seed of our father. And they made their father to drink wine that night also. And the, and the younger rose and lay with him. He perceived not when she lay down and nor when she arose. Thus both were daughters of Lot with child by their father. That sounds like incest to me. That sounds like sin to me. Does it you? That don't sound like that's the way God would have this thing to plan out or work out. Do y'all? I don't think that tonight. But then what happened? Well, the Bible says the firstborn bore a son and called his name Moab. And the same is the father of the Moabites unto this day. You know what? The children of God, you know what a man tonight who, who's an Israelite tonight, a man uh, that uh, had a name tonight that meant that God is his king tonight. You know what he made a choice and that choice he will, he did. He went to Moab, an evil city. An evil city. It was formed by evil. It was founded on evil. 
There's absolutely nothing about Moab tonight that you could be and say, listen, I need to go to Moab. No, no, not at all. Not for an Israelite. Not for a child of God. Nor did he go to, he moved to an evil city, but he moved to an evil or an enemy city. Now, it was Moab tonight evil, but it was an enemy. It was an enemy. In Judges chapter 11, we're not going to do it for sake of time tonight, but in Judges chapter 11, verse 17, the Moabites refused Israel. They just wanted something to drink. They just wanted something to eat. They said, no, we're not giving you anything. They refused Israel. Number two, in Deuteronomy 23, verse 3 and 4, they rejected Israel. You can't come this way. No, you can't come that way. No, we're not, we're not allowing you to do that. No, we don't want you to be part of that. We find in Numbers 25, 1 through 9, they replaced Israel. We find tonight that in that place there, when I call it replaced Israel, that the Moabite women, they seduced the Israelite men, and they began to have families and began to marry them and they began to move upon them God said you do not do that that is sin do not take on Moabite women for your wives or your children tonight and friend what they've done and God killed 24,000 of them that day enemies enemies Judges 3 verse 28 turn there with me Judges chapter 3 verse 28 we're right there next to it we might as well look at it tonight he said, and he said unto them, follow after me, for the Lord hath delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So it's very clear tonight that the Moabites was an enemy. Now why would Imelech, why would Imelech, a child of God, one who's an Israelite, of one tonight who would have a relationship with God tonight, why would he move to Moab? An evil city, an enemy city. And then he moved, thirdly, it was an empty city. An empty city. What do you mean empty? Well, turn to Numbers with me real quickly. Chapter 21 uh, and verse 29. Numbers 21, verse 29. I know we're going through the Bible. Isn't that something? You come to church and go through the Bible. Chapter 21 in verse 29. The Bible says, Woe to thee, Moab. Thou art undone. O people of Chemosh. He hath given his sons that escaped and his daughters into captivity unto Sion, king of the Amorites. Woe to thee, Moab. We're talking about an empty city. They were people who were of the Chemosh. That was a God tonight uh, that they would take their children and, and they would take their children and begin, give them to Chemosh in fire. They would, they would take their children and murder them in order to raise their self before this God, this false God. That was their God. In Jeremiah chapter 48, in verse 46, uh, let's read that here tonight. Jeremiah chapter 48, verse 46. Uh, just to give you another, another reference tonight concerning these Moabites and how it's an empty city. Chapter 48, and verse 46 tonight. He says, Woe be unto thee, O Moab, the people of Shemash perisheth. 
for thy sons are taken captives and thy daughters captives. Tonight there was no God of Israel in Moab. God of Israel was not in Moab. The gods of false gods were there. Chemosh was there. Other false gods were there. But the God of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who's the creator of the world, was not in Moab. The why tonight do you think that a child of God, why would you think tonight an Israelite, why would you think tonight one whose name is the Lord is the king, who mean Amalek means that tonight, why do you think tonight he would go to an evil city? Why would he go to an enemy city? Why would he go to an empty city tonight? Why? The same reason why you do. The same reason why when you get in circumstances and when you make choices and God's giving you the answer and how to handle it and what to do and, and how to get through it and you choose to do it your way. You choose to do it how you feel that it ought to be done. You choose it. You choose the way of the least resistant. Amen. You choose however you feel. You do right whatever's in your own eyes tonight in the circumstance and you find yourself in a troubled place. Emelech. We find him tonight in the place of confusion. Number four. I want you to know the consequences of God's people. Not only the confusion, but the consequences. Tonight it's confusing. How God's people tonight can have answers from God's word and they choose opposite. Don't make sense. But it's the truth. We find the Israelites' dilemma. We see in verse 1, we see in the Israelites' dilemma, it says a certain man. Now tonight as a man, talking to you men, as a man, you find yourself with a family, your wife, and two sons. And you're in Bethlehem, Judea. A famine is in the, in the famine is in Bethlehem, Judea. And not only is a famine in Bethlehem, Judea, but your family is in Bethlehem, Judea. But not only is a famine and a family there, but a fight is in Bethlehem, Judea. Right? I mean, for every man in this room or every man that's listening to my voice through the way of sermon audio or however else we're reaching uh, the world with the gospel tonight, uh, you as a man are in charge. You as a man is the one now that has all the burden laid upon you. As a man tonight, you are told by the Lord that you're the head of the home, head of the wife, and all things must come through you and come by you, and the family is now going to do something, and you're going to be the one who's going to make that choice for that something to happen. Amen? So Imelech's that man, a certain man. He had a family. He had a family. Now he has a fight. Now here's the fight for Imelech. What do you do? What do I do? As a man. Now, any man out in this room right here, I know that you would maybe uh, have this fight within you and say, you know what, I will do whatever it takes for my family to eat. Right? I'll do whatever it is tonight that for my family be taken care of. Whatever we got to do, if we got to sell everything we've got, if we got to go and take all the money out of the bank, 
If we got to go get three jobs instead of two jobs, if you get a job, everybody in the home gets a job, we got to do whatever it's going to take. Me, the man of the house, me, the leader of the home, me, the head of the, of the wife tonight, we are a man. And every man will take care of his household. That's the way God said. Amen. So here's some fight now. Here's the fight. You've got to think now as a man. Do I leave my home? Do I leave my home? Do I put my house up for sale? Do I reach out and say I'm going to rent it out? And I'm going to go down to Moab and, and I'm going to go down just for a little bit, just for a small time until this old famine passes through. And uh, so what I do with my home? Do I leave it? Do I stay to fight? The question may be also tonight, it's not about my home, but uh, how about my work? How about how I make my money? How about the fields that I work? How about the factories I do? How about the places I go? How about the work, the income, me making the bacon, amen? Me bringing home all the money and all the resources in order for all the family to have whatever they need. What do I do? Do I leave my home or do I leave my work? Right, the fight's on. As a man, the fight's on. I mean, you're in a serious situation here. The famine's in the land. As a man, what do you do? If you read it clearly and plainly, it says, And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judea, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. The emphasis is on the certain man. Do you see that? That's the emphasis as a man. Do I leave my family? I mean, do I leave my father and my mother and my brother and my sister and I'd leave all my in-laws and all my outlaws and I'd leave all those? Or do I go to Moab and leave everybody in Bethlehem, Judea and I just take me, my wife, and two sons? Fight is on. What do I do? What do I do about my work? What do I do about my home? What do I do about my family? What do I do about my church? What do I do about my synagogue? What do I do about my religion? What do I do about worshiping God? Do I just pack up and leave Bethlehem, Judea, and just go someplace out because there's a famine in the land, and I leave behind my pastor, I leave behind my church, I leave behind the ministry, I believe I leave behind the people that I love and care for. What do I do? As a man, as a man, you got to consider several things about your family you know you consider them i know financially you consider them emotionally you consider them mentally you consider them physically and you consider them religious or spiritually he's in a fight and in this fight here these questions are running across his mind as it would be every man do i leave the comfort of where I'm at today in Bethlehem, Judea. Comfort. I know what tomorrow will bring. I know I've been doing this for many years. I, when I get up, I know where I'm going. When I come home, I know who's going to be there. I know that what I have is mine and nobody's going to take it. But if I move someplace else, somewhere else, there might not be too much comfort there. Where are we going to do? Well, he might look at his wife, but it didn't say that. He might look at his two sons and say, they didn't say that either. Uh, it is said that the certain man, he sojourned down to Bethlehem, Judea. Now, that's as a man. 
And then we find in verse 1, he said, and his wife. And so now this Israelite's in a dilemma, not only as a man, but he's in a dilemma as a husband. He took that vow. And in that vow, he took it unto God. And unto God in that vow, he will provide for her. And he's been providing for her in Bethlehem, Judea. It's been going pretty well and pretty good. Everything seemed to be going all right. Now, if I just pack up and get all the, the Israelite, the Israel, uh, you know, uh, the U-Haul, Israel U-Haul, and get out U-Haul lined up and get it full up and say to the wife, hey, wife, we're going to move to Moab. Man, I'm the provider for her. What if it don't work out? Does I look like an old chump? Right? I look like you don't know what you're talking about. Uh, what kind of leader are you? Uh, you're pathetic. Uh, you make me want to throw up. You bring nauseation to my stomach because, you, you know, you say, let's go on to Moab. Everything's going to be good, hon. Everything's going to be good, sweetheart. Everything's going to be fine. Everything's going to work out. Will it? I'm talking about a fight now as a husband. I mean, you've got to make the right decision because you're the provider for her. You're the protector for her. You're going to protect her no matter what tonight. you got to protect her from any, any kind of dangers, any kind of people, uh, any kind of troubles, any kind of spiritual lackings. Uh, you got to protect her from every place, from all places. you got to be aware. you got to look around. you got to keep her from there. you got to stop her from that. you got to get her this. you got to do that. And you're always working to protect your wife. Amen. Right. And now we find him in a fight going to Moab. What's in Moab? Evil city. Enemy city. Empty city. And you're going to take your wife there? Good night. As a, as a husband, he's in a fight. What does he do? He's a protector. He's a provider. Well, tonight, he's the one that's a possessor. He possesses the leadership of her. He possesses the head of her. He possesses the authority of her. And she's completely under his authority, completely under his head. And what choices that he makes, and it looks like to me, according to the, rich, the written of the Scripture, that he's the one who's making the journey down to Bethlehem, Judea, with his wife, not as his wife agrees with him, not that his wife said it's okay, not his wife said, okay, everything's fine. Honey, you just do whatever you want to do. No, he's the head. He's the authority. Now he possesses those qualities. He possesses those rights tonight. It's all upon him. What if I go to Moab and it don't don't work so as a husband but not only that but he now is in a fight as a father because then it says in that same verse and his two sons so as a man I'm gonna do it as a husband I gotta take care of her as a father you got two sons as a son, as a father tonight, uh, you're an example. Right? As a father, you're an example. And so now you're in a famine. Now you're going to make a choice. You're going to make a decision. And where are you going to go? The Bible says he sojourned down to Moab. And friend, as an example before your sons. Because when they get older and when they get married, they're going to be in circumstances and they're going to have to make choices. And can they look back to daddy and say, hey, when daddy was in that circumstance, he made a good choice, right choice. I'm the example for my sons. Father, 
What a powerful position. We find not only is he a, one who could be considered tonight an example, but he's the adult of the family. They're the children. He's the mature. He's the one who's experienced. He's the one tonight that you can count on. I mean, listen, friend, it's daddy. I mean, you ever hear those stories from young boys? My daddy can beat up your daddy. I mean, my daddy can run a, a hundred miles, and he can do it in one day. I mean, them little boys, they think their daddies are superheroes. They think, they think they can do anything and everything. And their daddy's the best daddy, the most powerful daddy. And their daddy there will beat up the whole world. I hear them little boys talking like that. And in their mind, in their heart, they just know that their daddy is daddy. And he's supposed to be the adult. He's supposed to be the, the mature one. He's the one that's the leader of the pack. He's the one tonight that they can consider as the example tonight. You know what? I hear a lot of kids say, I want to be like my daddy. Well, as a father tonight, he's in a fight. He's the God. They're not going to buck daddy. Daddy says, we're going to Moab. You know what the sons say? We're going to Moab. Why are you going to Moab, sons? Because daddy's going to Moab. And you know what? We trust Daddy. We trust everything Daddy says. If Daddy says that we're going to jump off that cliff, we're going to jump off the cliff. If Daddy says we're going to jump over the moon, we're going to jump over the moon. I trust Daddy. I'm going to rely on Daddy. He's my guide. He never steered me wrong before. He never lied to me. He never let me down. Daddy. I'm telling you, he's a big hero in my life. He's the one tonight that I can commit to. I can give my life to. I can lay down and go to sleep because I just know daddy's got it under control. I just know I can get in the car. I can get on the camel. I can get on the chariot. I can get on going to back to going down to, to Moab. And because daddy's going to lead us to Moab, it's going to be good. Because daddy's our God. Do y'all see what I'm talking about tonight? Fight. Fight as a man, fight as a husband, fight as a father, fight, fight. And then we see the decision he makes and fight as a Christian, as a Christian. The Bible says in verse 2, and the name of the man was Imelech. Imelech means my God is king. That's what his name means. He's telling us tonight that in his heart, God is king. As a Christian tonight, it ought to trump every single one of those others. Tonight, as a Christian, it ought to trump as a man. As a Christian, must trump a husband and must trump a father. It must. We find Imelech in the way of being a Christian tonight, being one who believes in God. And so his fight was this, to obey God and don't go to Moab. That's what a Christian would do. Don't, or to obey God and don't go to Moab. Now how do you know that he's disobeying God by going to Moab? i tell you why. Because God tells his children, I'm going to lead you to the promised land. 
And when you get to the promised land, guess where you stay? In the promised land. That's where you stay. We find a disobedience. But a Christian says, I will obey God and not go to Moab. We see tonight that he didn't do the Christian thing. Right? He didn't do the Bible thing. He didn't do the godly thing. He did the fleshly thing. He did the sightly thing. He did the carnal thing. He went to Moab. Number two, as a Christian, to trust God and stay in Bethlehem, Judea. That's what a Christian would do. Trust God and stay in Bethlehem, Judea. You say, well, brother, how about, ever, how about being a man? Well, as a man, you'll follow God. You'll trust God. As a husband, you'll follow and trust God. As a father, you'll trust God. And you'll stay in Bethlehem, Judea. That's what a Christian would do. So we find tonight, the fight is over, right? There's no fight for a Christian. Now, there's a fight for a man. There's a fight for a husband. There's a fight for a father. But there's no fight for a Christian. We'll obey God and not go to Moab. We will trust in God and stay in Bethlehem, Judea. Amen. We find thirdly that we'll, we won't displease God and go to Moab. We won't do that. Because we want to please God. We want God to be pleased in our very life, in all the works and all the things that we say and do, in our behaviors and actions and conducts, we want God tonight be pleased. And so, what do we Christian do? Stay in Bethlehem. And while they're staying in Bethlehem, they begin to ask God for mercy. How you do that? Pray, confess His name, turn from your sin, and go the good way. Just be faithful. Just fear God. Is that what Amalek did? No. That's not what Amalek did. We find the Israelites' dilemma. Number two, we find the Israelites' decision. His decision tonight was based upon sight. And the reason why he would want to go to Moab, uh, the Bible would say in verse 2, and they came into the country of Moab. Verse 2 says they're in Moab now. So the decision was already, has been made, and now they're there, and it was based upon sight. Do you know why that he went to Moab? The sight of food. Anybody else tell me any reason why you'd go to Moab? Food. Food. Just food. So he'd pack up, leave Bethlehem, Judea, get wrong with God, displease God, take his family into danger as a husband and as a, as a, a, a father and as a man and as one who believed in God. Uh, because, see, in Moab there was no famine. There was no judgment. And there was no wrath. There was food. He made a decision tonight on sight. Now I wonder how many of us tonight make decisions on sight. We allow sight to control our choices. 
And tonight we find ourselves in places tonight and with people tonight. And we find ourselves in circumstances and situations tonight. And their consequences are dire. Because we made those on sight rather than by faith. We find number two. He based it upon sight, but he based it upon self. Because he had no faith in God's word. If he had faith in God's word, he had stayed in Bethlehem, Judea. Because God's word didn't give him clarity or gave him, uh, gave him any kind of uh, relief or release to leave Bethlehem, Judea. And because he had no faith in God's word that God would provide and take care of him, as it says in Leviticus and in Deuteronomy, with his no faith tonight, he moved to Moab. And he did it because of self. Self. No faith in the God's word. He had no trust in God's promises. God promised if you do right, if you follow me, if you do according to my commandments, if you live with me on your heart and your mind and you love me with all your heart, soul, and mind and strength, and friend, you'll find yourself in the blessings of God. I will bring you down to the promised land. I will have the milk and honey flow upon you. You'll have no enemies take you over. I'll take care of you completely. There'll be absolutely nothing going on and nobody will touch you. I'm your God. So he had no trust in God's promises. He goes to Moab. How many times tonight we find ourselves in the, in, the, in the evil cities? We find ourselves in the enemy cities. And we find ourselves in the empty cities. We made some choices. And they were based upon ourselves. Because we didn't trust God's promises. And we didn't have faith in God's word. And now the consequences are pretty dire. The marriages, the children, where we live, what church you go to, where you work, and the very occupation that you have. Oh, when you're growing up, I want to be that, and I want to marry this, and I want to have that now, children, and I, and I want to live here. None of those dreams come true. You're in the wrong place, you're not, ready to, you're not married to the right person, you go to the wrong church, and you're not doing the job you like to do, and you're miserable at work. Amen. And the church I go to is dead as hammer. They're full of woke. They're full of liberalism. They're full of communism. Uh, they're full of contemporary. But I ain't got nowhere else to go. Tonight we find ourselves because of self. We base these decisions upon that. And then thirdly tonight, he based it upon stupidity. Not only sight and self, but stupidity. You say, what do you mean, Brother Larry? Well, stupidity, I'm saying, because the Bethlehem, Judea, do you know what that means tonight? It means the house of bread. And why would you leave Moab where there's even no God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob there? And you leave the house of bread to find bread. Stupid. Oh, ignorant. I mean, have you ever had anybody say anything to you like that before? Why would you do that? That was stupid. Anybody said that to you before? I know some of y'all have thin skin. You'll probably say, well, nobody's going to say anything about me being stupid. 
I'm bad. I come back and I knock him right in the face. That's the Christian thing to do. That's exactly what Jesus would do. No, he wouldn't. Tonight we find the house of bread, the place that has the bread. The place that has the abundance of bread is Bethlehem, Judea. Uh, the Bethlehem Judea did not, did not have, I guess you can say it that way, bread. But because of their sin, they had a famine. But God had some bread. <laughs> they just couldn't get it. Because they didn't go right, the right way of how to get it. We find here tonight in this house of bread was the abundance of bread. But because of the abundance of bread, you'd have abundance of life. And they go to Moab. I say they, he went to Moab. And he drug his family with him. And then not only was there abundance of life, but there's abundance of God. In Bethlehem, Judea. Now why would you leave Bethlehem, Judea, where there's abundance of bread and abundance of life and abundance of God, and go to Moab where there's no God, no abundance of life, and there's no abundance of anything there that's good for you? Except bread. The Israelites' decision. Number three, the Israelites' determination. Look in verse 2, the Bible says, well, verse 1, I'm sorry, it says, And the certain man of Bethlehem, Judea, went to sojourn. Now, according to the Scripture tonight, he was planning on going there for just a little bit. He wasn't planning on staying forever. He was just, in his mind, he was going to go there for just a little while. He was going to come back. He never had the intentions to stay. And then in verse three, 2 it says, And they came to the, into the country of Moab and continued there. It wasn't supposed to be like that. It wasn't, be, it wasn't where they, they, he felt, he knew, he thought that he was just going to, we'll, we'll be back. We'll be back. You ever have anybody, you say, that's going out into the world, that's making decisions upon self and decisions upon tonight's sight and uh, just, just stupid things they're doing in their life. And you say to them, listen, would you come back home? Would you come back to the church? Would you come back to the Lord? Uh, would you start living right? And they say, listen, don't worry about me. I'll be back. Don't worry about me. This is just a little period of time. Uh, just give me some space. And, and once I just do my thing, I'll come back. That's what people say, don't they? Nobody's intended to live away from God for an extended period of time. I don't believe anybody who, goes, who gets away from the Lord, who, who says, I don't want to do this for God any longer. And they say, you know what? I'm just going to go out a little bit, step out a little bit, cross the line a little bit, live on the edge a little bit, just do a little bit of my flesh, do a little bit of my sight, just be stupid for a little while. But I'll be back. Count me in. I'll be back. That's what he did. And that's what many people tonight have done in the church, and they never come back. They've never been back. Uh, uh, they, they, they say it won't last forever. It won't be for good, uh, knowing that they're disobeying God, knowing they're dishonoring God, and knowing that they're disrupting God. Amen. And so that was a dilemma. That was a determination by this Israelite. I'm determined just to stay for just a little bit. Then hear me say this. The Israelites' defilement. Verse 2. 
The Bible says and he came into the country of Moab and he, he continued there. And Emelech, Naomi's husband, died and she left and she was left and her two sons. Whenever he, he came into Moab, he defiled himself. He defiled himself. You know, he never went back. You notice that? Listen, Daddy. Listen, Daddy. You may want to go out with your buddies for just a little bit. I'll be back. I want to go hang out, and I want to do this. I want to do that. I, I don't want to go to church right now. We're not going to bring you to church. on. I'll bring you to church on Sunday morning, but not Sunday night. Uh, we got our own little thing going on Sunday night, uh, but we'll get back in the church sooner or later. We'll get back. You know, everything's going to be okay. Knowing that you're disobeying. No, you're dishonoring. No, you're disrupting. And tonight we find as this daddy, as this husband, as this man, as this one who knew God, he defiled himself in Moab. Number two, he defiled his wife. He defiled his son, and he defiled his other son. You see, when you go and do wrong, and you do wrong tonight by the wrong decision and choice, you don't fall alone. Daddy, when Imelech fell, husband, when Imelech fell, she fell with him. So while you're living ungodly and you're missing church and you're doing your life and you're living as you want and you're living in sin and debauchery and, and depravity tonight and you're thinking, well, I'll get back, I'll get back, I'll get back. While you're falling, so is your wife and your children. You don't fall alone. He didn't either. You take, friend, as, a, as one who's ahead of your home, the one who's authority of your family. When you go, they go. They say, well, you know, my wife loves Jesus. My wife loves God. You know, right now I'm just not walking with God. Right now I'm just living a sinful life. Right now I'm just doing as I please. But she loves God. Yeah, yeah. You can, you can say that all you want to. And you can convince yourself that everything's okay. But tonight her heart is being torn away from God. Because the one who put her, him and her life as the authority and leader of her life is leaving the God that she loves. You want to break up your wife? You want to break up your home? Mom, Daddy, you go ahead and move to Moab. And you leave Bethlehem, Judea. And you go about with your thoughts saying, I'll be back. You'll never make it back. We find that when you fall, you don't fall alone. You take your family with you. And when, you, and when you fail, you don't fail alone. Even though tonight, Mama, Daddy, you might got sin in your life, and you might think that it's okay. And right now you say, listen, I'll get it right later. Uh, you know what? I, I'll get my life straight here soon. Uh, I, I'll, I'll get back to where I need to get. There's no promise tonight that you'll ever get back. And what you fail, you won't fail alone. All you will fail. We find here that, that, that don't falter alone. He took his family with him, didn't he? He took his family down with him. He calls his, he calls his family to sin. And he calls his family tonight to ruin. The Israelites' departure. Verse 4, the Bible says, or verse 3, the Bible says, he died. He died. You know how to exit out of your family, dear father, dear husband? Go to Moab. 
Yeah, yeah, just, just decide that you're not going to obey God. Just decide that you're not going to obey the Lord. You're not going to trust in His promises. And no matter what, you're just going to do what you please and how you please. And you just pack up your family and you just move on down the road to where you know God doesn't want you to go. That's how you get out of your family. Emelech's dead now. He's gone. He'll never get back to Bethlehem, Judea. And so we find tonight in this tragic story, we find now that he's dead. He experienced what he feared. You know why he went to Moab? Because he was fearing that he would die for no food. He goes to Moab and he dies with food. He experienced what he feared. He feared of starving to death. He feared of dying from hunger. And he died. He expired where he failed. According to the scripture, we never see him praying. We never see him going to the church or to the, to the synagogue. We never see him falling down and building an altar. We never, never find him uh, seeking the Lord. We never find him looking for some counsel uh, from other men, from other people. Uh, we don't find him at all seeking the Lord, searching the Lord at all. You know what? He failed in a state of falling with his family. Is that the way you want to die? What if tonight God would take your breath the night you'd close your eyes for the last time and you speak your last word. And tonight you die, daddy, husband, Christian. Would you die as Imelech in an evil city, empty city, a city tonight that there would be an enemy, not right with God, your disobedience to the Lord? You're not trusted in him, and you're leading your family in the wrong direction, and you die. Is that how you want to die? I bet you Emelech didn't think that, did you? I mean, God didn't send a note from heaven and say, hey, Emelech, I'm fixing to take your breath, son. No, he just died. He died. He expired where he failed. He died as a failure. He died as a one who sinned against God and led his family. To the place where God said, don't go. We find here, he died in that where he failed. No doubt regret. He never got back. No doubt shame. He left them in Moab. He left them in Moab. Remember what Moab is? It's an evil city. It's an enemy city. Man, it's an empty city. No God's there. Their God's not there. And now this man, this husband, this father, this Christian, who had it all together and made a decision as the hero, and everybody followed him, and everybody trusted him, and everybody said, whatever you say, Daddy, whatever you say, Husband, whatever you say, we'll just follow you as we go. And they went and followed him down to Moab, and he dies. And now they're in the midst alone. That's what happens in many families tonight. Daddy leads their family down the right hole, down to the gutter, leads them out of church, leads them away from God. And all of a sudden, he's divorced and leaves them. Next thing you know, he dies and gone. 
Next thing you know, he gets sick. He can't be the father and husband as he has been. And now they're there to defend themselves. To face all that they have to face. He's alone. They're alone. He left him in he left him in shame. He left him in Moab. There was shock. He led them to Moab. Now they have no husband. They have no father. They have no direction. They've got no instruction. They've got no religion. No, not one time they prayed. Not one time they sought out the word of God. Not one time they considered counsel. Emelech didn't leave Bethlehem, Judea. Naomi didn't leave to go to Moab. The sons didn't follow. Friend, I tell you tonight, tragic took place. And I wonder, I wonder tonight, as a father, a husband, and as a Christian, what will you do in your circumstance? And what choice will you make? And what conduct? Or action will you have? And what consequences will you face? And what change will happen? The change for them, Emelech's not coming back. It's changed forever. Amen. Let's consider these words tonight. Let's stand to our feet, our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I guess tonight, if Emelech would probably give us some thoughts as how to die in dishonor, how to destroy a home, how to divide a family, Emelech would have gave us those answers tonight. Where do you stand with the Lord? Where are you at tonight? Circumstances will come. Choices will be made. Conduct will be taking place. Consequences will be found. Change will happen. I wonder tonight, what will you do? If I was a wife tonight, I'd be on my knees before God, praying for my husband as the leader of our home. That he'll not make some choices as Emelech did. When circumstances come our way. If I was a wife, I would be doing that. I'd follow my face down at these altars. And I'd be crying out to God here tonight. I'd be crying out to God tomorrow night and the next night. I'd be crying out to God, God, help my husband. He's in a fight. He's in a fight. I'm a husband tonight. And you that are husbands tonight, why wouldn't you come to the altar? And why wouldn't you lay out before a thrice holy God? And why wouldn't you beg God that you'd make a different choice than he'd make? How about you tonight? Come lay out in these altars and beg God that you would just trust him and follow him. That you would just completely give over to God and not find yourself in a place where your family be worse off than they were. That your decision and your choice 
will be one that you could recommend to the next guy. You think Imelech could, if he was alive, would recommend his choice to his family, to his friends? No. But see, the decisions you have to make, dear Christian friend, is one you can be asked, who would you recommend that? Decisions, will it make my family better? Will it make my family closer to God? Will it bring my family to be more like Christ? That's the decisions you have to make as a man, as a father and a husband. Will it draw me and my family unto God? Women tonight, wives are coming to pray. Husbands are coming to pray. Would you come? Would you come tonight? If you're a lady, a woman of this church, won't you pray for our men? Pray for our men. If you have a daddy in this church tonight, won't you pray for him? You got a, a father tonight. He needs your prayer. Tonight, I, listen, there's no amount of time tonight that we can take that will help us in the circumstances that we'll find ourselves in tomorrow and these choices that will be made. They have to be right. They have to be God's. They have to be according to God's word and according to his will. Or you're going to hurt your whole family. Oh, this is dire. This is serious. Pray for me. I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a man. I'm a Christian. Pray for your pastor. Please, I beg you. Please, I beg you. Pray for me. Oh, these are praying tonight. Brother, you sing, Brother George. Pray. God, that I be that man. That my husband will be that man. That my pastor would be that man. The men of this church would be those men. That they would just trust God, follow the Lord. They would do. They'd stay in Bethlehem, Judea. They'd not go to Moab. They'll not live by sight, but by faith. They'll not live according to themselves. They live according to God. God helped tonight. Well, if there's ever a need in the church tonight, this is the need. This is the need. Men make so rash decisions, so hasty. God help us tonight. We put our families in such dire places. We put our wives in such situations tonight. Our children in such places because of our decisions. Help us wives. Help us children. Pray for your daddy. Pray for your mama. Yes, we'll take more time to pray tonight. God help. Help us tonight. God help us. God please. God that we'll be just determined. Just to serve God. Trust in you. Lean on you. Walk with you, Lord. That we won't be led by the flesh or by sight. God will be wise and prudent. God will be men of God and women of God. Thank you, Lord.
Blessed be your name. Sing another verse, Brother George. One more verse. As these are praying. God help. Amen. Brother George, you dismiss us tonight, my brother. We'll see you Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And we pray that you come to worship. We're looking forward to the Song of Solomon. If you want to know anything about Song of Solomon, you come. And we'll preach out of there. Brother, you dismiss us. Oh, to Jesus.